0: Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. And today, I am very honored to be joined by Dr. Margaret Heffernan, who is a longtime successful executive who's produced programs for the BBC and then moved to the United States to work with Intuit, the learning company, Standard & Poor's, and, and many other um, impressive organizations. She was named top 25 by Streaming Media Magazine and one of the top 100 media executives by The Hollywood Reporter. So I want to ask Margaret, how does willful blindness happen in an organization? What are, what are some of the, the ways that we can recognize it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is I've worked with loads and loads and loads of companies all over the world. And I haven't run into one company that when they understand the idea, doesn't think that they don't suffer from it from time to time. Um, And it has all sorts of kind of both causes and manifestations. So I think part of it comes from the fact that, you know, for all that we understand about bias, we tend to hire people who are very like us, um, who tend to have very similar backgrounds to us, have very similar hopes and dreams as we do, because that's why they're working in the same company. So that, you know, they're attracted by a similar kind of mission. Um, They may uh, live in very similar geographical areas. In the United States in particular, we've seen how you know, geographically polarized it is that people in certain neighborhoods have certain perspectives and tend to vote in certain ways. And we all do this because being surrounded by people like ourselves gives us a high degree of comfort and a sense of safety. And, um, and so the more we're surrounded by people who see what we see, the less likely it is we're gonna bump into somebody who sees something completely different. And this is not intentional, but you can see it. You can map it literally. And, um, and I think increasingly, since I wrote the book, people have come to understand that, that bias is a, a deep and very hard to eradicate source of blindness in organizations. At the same time, there is a kind of physical aspect of willful blindness, which is this. Um, our brains can only absorb so much information at a time. So we talk about these as cognitive limits. Um, for example, as mul- much as we all talk about multitasking and how sure we can you know, be on Zoom and be doing email at the same time, the truth of the matter is your brain isn't designed to do this, it cannot do that. And so when you're paying attention to one thing, you are literally blind to the other. Um, And we've seen this in many, many, many industrial accidents. One of the ones I wrote about in some detail was a terrible accident at a refinery in Texas, at a BP refinery, um, where an individual in charge of part of the refinery is sitting in front of 24 computer screens monitoring to make sure that everything's safe and sound. At the same time, he's trying to do some paperwork at his desk. At the same time, Um, He's been working 12 hour shifts for 30 days. So he has a very, very significant accumulated sleep deficit. The combination of these factors is devastating, right? First of all, he's trying to multitask like crazy. You cannot absorb 24 computer screens at a time. It is physically impossible for all of that information to enter your brain and for you to consider it all simultaneously. Your brain does not multitask. It can switch between tasks very quickly, but as long as you're focusing on this task, you're ignoring that task. So the multitasking is a huge problem. The fact that he's also trying to do paperwork at the same time means, of course, while doing the paperwork, he's not looking at the screens. And the fact that he's so very, very tired means that he can't think about what he's saying. So when you get very tired, what happens is the part of your brain that's responsible for um, keeping you awake takes over and it takes energy literally from the part of your brain responsible for critical thinking. So what happens when the alarm goes off in this place is that the person responsible for monitoring the site can and does think, just make the alarm go away, but he no longer has any cognitive capacity to think about what could be causing it. And so with all of this information he's trying to deal with, it is virtually inevitable that he's gonna miss stuff. So the conditions of his work make him blind. And I see this in organizations all the time where people, I mean, famously Goldman Sachs, right? Where people are asked to work 85, 90 hours a a week. This is, it's physically impossible to stay alert and thoughtful when you're working that kind of workload. It is physically impossible to think about two things at once, right? And so... We are going to be blind when we're asking our brain to do work in a way that it is absolutely not designed for.
0: If people want to get started in their organizations, reducing the willful blindness that is undoubtedly present, um, what would you encourage them to do first? Well,
1: this is very interesting because I teach on a program here in the UK called the Responsible Leadership Programme. And one of the things that we've invented there is a thing called the willful blindness exercise, which is we bring people together and we ask them to write down on a piece of paper what they think their organization is willfully blind to. Now, what's quite interesting about this is the first time they'll usually write something pretty bland by, I don't know, pay differentials or something. So is it, you know, is it necessarily germane? And then you say, okay, so that was a really lame So That shows there's quite a lot of fear in the room. So, um, so now what, is the, what are the real issues? And by the second or third round of this, you start getting to the heart of the matter. And then what's really fascinating is almost everybody will say the same real issue. So they might, for example, if it were a team of Volkswagen engineers, they might've said, actually, the real issue here is why are we faking the emissions data? Because right? everybody knew right? that's the issue. So then you can pull that out of the hat and say, okay, so a number of people here think we have an emissions problem. We're naming no names here, right? So let's drill into this and think about what are we doing? What do we know? What are the consequences if we keep going what happens if people find out what happens right let's really think this through how could we solve it without sitting here waiting for this time bomb to go out go off and what's really fascinating is that that digs into deeper issues which are the things everybody needs to think about and what's fascinating is none of this comes as a surprise to anybody. What does come as a surprise is having a safe space in which to talk about it. So I think it's important to think about collectively, whether it's in your senior leadership team or in particular departments or whatever, if if, if we make the working assumption we're woefully blind to something, what is it? And how do we start having the conversation about it? I also teach a program, I just recently started doing this about, which is teaching people at work how to raise issues of concern in a way that's safe. Um, and I think, and what's really interesting about that is there are kind of two pieces to it, the two pieces to the contract, if you like. The first is as a loyal employee who really cares about the company, I want to speak up about the issues that concern me. But the flip side is that you as my boss have to agree to listen, assuming good intent. And if you have the workforce promise to speak up and the boss is saying, we promise to listen respectfully, you can start to move towards an environment where information or problems are shared much earlier. And when they're shared much earlier, believe me, they are very, very much easier and cheaper to fix.
0: Fantastic. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for, for <laughs> joining us today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom uh, about willful blindness, because I think it, I've watched your course like three or four times, at least once a year, because <laughs> it, it's a good reminder of yeah. you know, what's going on in, in our mental spaces. So I just wanna thank you for joining our community today and sharing. And um, I hope to have you on Conversations at the Edge again, very soon to talk about your new book, Uncharted. And um, thank you to the Edge community for being here and we'll see you again next time. Thanks so much for your great
1: questions, Alex, and for your support of my work and good luck to everybody who's listening.
0: Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. Thanks, yeah. bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.